Well, just like Peter Morazic sent a formal letter to the world announcing that he was coming out of retirement to return to NHL, all reflected on Michael Jordan's coming out of retirement from the NBA. Perhaps, Jolon, I should also have a letter saying that I am coming back to the podcast soon as I've been absent for a number of weeks. I do apologise. Well, I mean, I hope you've got a good excuse. That's all I can say. Because if you come up with some crap, then this is going to be no good. So you better come up with a good excuse. <laughs> I've got a good one. Don't worry. Right, but on. we are here. Well, it's fine. Let me, let me say we're here to talk about NHL. We're not oh, here yeah. to talk yeah. about my personal life. Um, but we, we have some very... Yeah, we will have uh, some very important personal announcements, one of which involves a small animal. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Unbelievably, that's not Claire's announcement either, which I cannot quite believe. No, but we are looking at what on earth is happening as we have less than 20 games for pretty much most of the teams now in the regular season. Who is in and who is out of the playoffs? We've got, what, a few days away from the trade deadline. Are we expecting these big moves? Um, What on earth is going on at Vancouver Canucks? You know, with COVID protocol absolutely on fire there. And just a bunch of surprises, Florida. Colorado on huge winning streaks and some surprises over in the West as we see Arizona in the playoff run with Minnesota, but St. Louis Blues just outside. What on earth is going to happen in this season? Let's play some music and let's get talking NHL. So, Jolon, I've actually um, had a bit of time off work and it has been so nice to just try and catch up on as many NHL podcasts, on as many games. I've been watching um, various news sports, news channels to kind of catch up on, you know, just the wider aspects of the game that sometimes when you're busy and you're a fan from afar, all you can cope with is just watching even just the four minute game recaps, you know, when you've got three or four games. And it's just so nice to just watch the game for pleasure. It's something that I've really missed. Like how we're at that kind of point in the season where I think a lot of people could kind of, if your team is not doing that great and you're not really in a chance of the playoffs, this is where most people lose interest, right? Yeah, it's a funny kind of part of the season, isn't it? Because I, I think we're actually getting towards the end of that now, because as you said, you know, 20 games to go or so, uh, you know, that, that playoff race is heating up and not even if you're not in the playoff race, you now want to start to be building a little bit of momentum um, towards the playoffs. Whereas the last month or so, then, yeah, you're right. It is that what I would normally call kind of January, February hockey? I know it's all been slipped this year with COVID, but it is that that time of the year where teams kind of go on some slumps sometimes and they don't look like they've really got it. And yeah, it can leave you as a fan a little bit, <laughs> as, as we always do quite a lot of the time, asking ourselves, why do we stay up this late at night? Why do we wake up this early in the morning to watch a game that doesn't really matter so much? I have found anecdotally, though, and I, would, I don't know about other fans, but there have been less games like that this year, which I think is because of the divisional alignment and how pretty much every game even if it doesn't have something riding on it there's like many little rivalries that have sparked up and and certainly in the canadian division the one i've obviously followed the most it, there's every night the game kind of matters in some way or other whereas you know for the leafs there'd always be that you know trip out to arizona or that trip to another team who they never really play ever and it doesn't really matter hugely in the standings for either team and that is one thing I've really not missed about this season. It's been quite nice not having them. But but yeah, all of that out of the way now. And it is trade deadline and playoffs. Here we come. Seems to be as well. Like there's there's quite a few different streaks going on. Like when people really lose, then they really lose. Like just looking Buffalo. at some of the streaks. Buffalo. I mean, goodness me. 
Los Angeles Kings are on a losing streak of three at the moment. St. Louis Blues are on three. Then Colorado, also in the West, are on a winning streak of five. Like, when you're really caning it, you're really caning it. And and it also just seems like a tale of two halves, doesn't it? Because we're seeing like teams like Philadelphia Flyers, who were so full of promise and really kind of came out of nowhere towards the end of last season, they're just being absolutely decimated by what's going on with COVID, with injuries, with... I mean, they've even kind of said, look, Carter Hart at the moment, we're just like parking him and just having a bit of rest. It sounds like they're still with him. But, you know, I'm just really surprised by like the Bostons and the Philadelphias who and the Dallases, you know, who we would have thought that would have really kind of had that momentum from last season and done so well. But they've just kind of been playing almost with like an arm behind their back. What's but what's interesting about all, pretty much all the teams you mentioned there, every single one of them has had a bad run with COVID. Yeah, and it's obviously it's it it, it plays such a huge part. It's one thing losing a player or two um, for a couple of games, but you know the uh, those teams you mentioned, Philadelphia, Buffalo, Dallas, those teams have had really, really bad bouts and and kind of outbreaks amongst their teams. And even if it meant they postponed games as opposed to a kind of just um, kind of putting a couple of players on protocol, the the impact of that has has been you know very obvious. And it's really you know Philadelphia haven't looked the same since they've come back from all of their COVID issues earlier on in the year Buffalo I mean have been atrocious but they've also had one of the worst kind of COVID bouts and even New Jersey I mean they were looking kind of they were looking like a bit of an overachiever this year at one point and then you know COVID went through their ranks and and we're seeing this in Canada now as well with the first kind of major outbreak amongst a, a Canadian team, which we'll, you know, come on to talk about later in Vancouver. But, you know, it wouldn't surprise me if if that completely derails their season because it, it really does sound like it hits some of these people very hard. And I think the momentum you lose and also the, you know, these are these are elite, elite, elite athletes who, who have to fine-tune everything about their their life to to perform at the level that they do night in night out so one can only imagine what getting covid would do to you (laughs) and having that in the middle of a season Mm. you know a couple of players and you know we've the proof is we've seen it with the results afterwards and so I, i really think this year for for those teams i don't much as it's tough i i can't imagine they're going to be blowing their squads up for rebuilds just because they've had bad years this year. I think they will probably put it down to COVID. Mm, But, you know, you look at a team like Columbus, right? And as we come up to the trade deadline, when your team isn't really kind of getting started and you hope that a big trade is going to make a difference, they kind of were one of the only teams that made a big trade in getting Patrick Laine a few weeks ago. Yeah. And it's not really helping their cause, is it? You know, they, they look, they're playing, they played 40 games. That's some of the most games in mm. the league right now. Yet they're sitting with 36 points. That's compared to Florida, top of the central division with 56 points. They're on a losing streak of three. And you kind of just think it's so, it must be so disappointing for Columbus fans because here's a team that kind of, they almost had it, then they did get to the playoffs and then they did get to the playoffs and now yeah. then they had to make some big trades and this season it just feels like non-starter oh well yeah I would say you know that the point I made earlier about those other teams does not apply to Columbus at all and you're right to point them out because they did make a big move earlier on in the year and um <laughs> and they've got nothing from it I mean I've had Patrick Line in my team pretty much since he in my fantasy team since he moved to uh, Columbus and he's done absolutely nothing and <laughs> you know to and we said it on this podcast and we said about how you know this is a real test for Tortorella to to get the best out of someone like Patrick Line and to you know to give a guy with obvious talent that this guy has and to really sell him on life in Columbus and to to get him to want to be that franchise player that they'd hoped Pierre-Luc Dubois would be, and it, it went sour. And if you look at the way that Line is being played at the moment and the way that he's responding to it, 
you know, the guy will, there is no chance that Line A will be a blue jacket if Tortorella is still there next year. Now, I'm, I'm pretty convinced he's not going to be there because he's out of contract this summer anyway. And I just, I just don't see why they'd keep him really. They've, as you said, they've done everything they can to make themselves good. And there's nothing really holding them back. So I think they'll probably discount this season. They'll probably sell a few at the at the deadline, potentially. I heard on 31 Thoughts earlier, they were talking about Nick Foligno. And while they, they think he might sign an extension there, doesn't mean to say that he won't kind of be traded away as a rental for the rest of the year and then come back to Columbus. Um, also, their goaltenders are up potentially as, uh, to be sold. And... You know, he's so disappointing because Patrick Laine, I mean, some of the stuff you hear about him that they want to try and make him into this heavy kind of, you know, two-way player who hits and all this kind of stuff. And it's like, you had that in Pierre-Luc Dubois. Like, (laughs) that's what you had there. And you traded him away for something else. And I don't know. I I think for Laine and whether he stays with the Blue Jackets or not, is all going to come down to whether Tortorella's there or not because he's going to want a change of scenery. I think they've had a hugely disappointing year, Columbus, in a year mm-hmm. that, as you say, they've been, in terms of the the number of games played, they've been pretty unaffected COVID-wise. And, you know, they have had those big moves and it's just been a real disappointing year for them. I think if you were the GM, you'd be like, what else can I do? The oh, only, yeah. the only apps everything. now is on the head yeah. coach. He has surely. done absolutely everything. And I'm pretty sure that Columbus... You know, the ownership have probably said, look, we don't want to fire because we've then got to pay him and another coach, wait it out to the end of the season, and then we will get someone in the off season. But yeah, it's a real disappointing year for Columbus because um yeah, they could have they could have done something in that division this year. I think on my um to watch list this week, so I've got a bit mm. more time off. Um I am going to go investigate. You don't do day. You don't do days off. Like, how are you? How are you coping with time off? I I hit, I hit a wall. <laughs> I was like, dude, I've done three months of like seven days a week. I was like, I need yeah. some time. I didn't even have Christmas and New Year off. It was insane. So I'm like, nope. I got time to watch me some hockey now. Um, Good. Florida. Good. I am intrigued about yeah. Florida, man. I'm like. What is going on there? It's, I don't know. I haven't read Chris about Drieger. it. I'm Chris gonna. I'm Drieger. really looking forward to. What? Yeah. So the central division is one that I'm kind of like, what's what's going on there? But I think you know one of the things. Just listening to a lot of the stuff, you know, um, you mentioned Thirty One Thoughts, uh, the podcast. Oh my god, so good this week. If I you want to, I, you... <laughs> I did actually. I caught up on that today. Um, mm. Had a little listen, but the one that I, the interview that really stood out to me which I think it really showed the impact of, and we've talked about this on the podcast before, the lives when these peoples are traded, you know, so quickly with so little notice and the impact that has not just on them, but on their family. And I think if we're to see any kind of big style trades, it's even more pressure than perhaps it would be normally. But the interview that stood out to me was with Anton Fursberg, who's the backup goalie now, pretty much I think he's he's in net for Ottawa Senators and this guy has like been traded four times or he's played for four teams in the last yeah. six months I mean and each time he had to move with his girlfriend and their kids and yeah. just the upheaval and then I mean fortunately it, now it's been um, across Canada so they haven't had to go through the 14-day quarantine but I can't imagine how difficult that is. I we mean, saw, absolutely it, it, incredible. We yeah, we mentioned um, that on the podcast. I think when uh, when Matt was here, and we we kind of talked about the the kind of personal toll that that would take. And, and mm. one of the takeaways I did take from that interview, though, and remember mentioning it, was that do you know what though? I <laughs> I do look at being picked up on waivers slightly differently after something that he said because he he said something along the lines of, well he was asked how does he feel about being picked up so many times on waivers and he said well it makes me feel wanted like I'm obviously you know I I'm being picked up by NHL teams and so which I guess is is in a way better than clearing waivers because that's a message to say you're not wanted by any NHL teams and goal goaltending's been so weird this season um and you know he's been him and a couple of others have, have really kind of felt the brunt of that um but you know, it's nice that he's getting a bit of run in Ottawa, although now they've got a few goaltenders 
coming back fit again and you wonder whether they'll try and trade any of them away for assets um for for kind of depth goaltending but um but yeah it's a really interesting story and a huge upheaval huge upheaval for these players and can you imagine you know if you're a you know you're you're in a you're in a place now which has got a kind of a good I don't know, a good way of dealing with COVID or a yeah, very secure way of dealing with COVID and you feel pretty confident and happy. Imagine having that upheaval when suddenly you're just then now thrown into a completely different scenario in a different country, potentially. Mm. Like, just, yeah, really, really, really tough. But as somebody pointed out to me on Twitter when we were chatting about this the other week, they said, well, that is kind of, that is the game. Like, they know yeah. what they're doing. And and you probably yeah. are paid, let's say, like, the basic salary is, like, what, 795000 You do. Hey, talking, talking about goalies. So I mentioned at the very start of this podcast this press release that the Hurricanes put out, yeah. which was, like, kind of beefing up the return of uh, Peter Mrazic. Yeah. I mean, it was hilarious. Like, if you put the letters next to each other, side by side, of the press release that Michael Jordan announced, and all it pretty much said was two words, I'm back. <laughs> and they they even, like, put, like, you know, the, the address, like, just the lines, the layout, the font even looked the same. I thought, good on them, good on them. I mean, because he basically had hurt his thumb, hadn't he? So he hadn't played since January. Um, looking injury. Well. But then I did. Then it was also like reporting how um, Michael Jordan, you know, NBA legend, mm. even has a connection to the North Carolina area because he played basketball there for three years when he was at university. Did he? Yeah. So oh, there you go. I, I was like, that. that was actually very clever. I mean, I think Las Vegas uh, Golden Knights are always very good at press releases and press and social media as our philadelphia flyers but good on the canes i mean this must be so frustrating that they can't do all the kind of what did they call that celebration after they'd won a game oh what, god the storm storm the storm, storm surge or whatever surge. it was yeah, yeah yeah carolina are a very good organization though, for that kind of stuff they're a good follow on twitter and like they are very entertaining as an organization yeah. So the thing that I was also listening to today um, on Hockey Central as well was for the playoffs, like, do we think there's going to have to be two bubbles? Are they going to have to do it the same wow. way that they did it last year? Like, in order for this to go ahead, are they going to need to bubble up the teams? Like, and I imagine a lot of players like, oh, I don't want to go down that route. But if it means that it can go ahead, surely the NHL has to. Well, that's the thing. I mean, Elliot Friedman said today on on Thirty One Thoughts, he, he basically said, like, nobody wants this. Like, this is like this suits absolutely nobody. The league don't want it because it will cost them an absolute fortune, like it did last year. The players don't want it for obvious reasons, and so. But as you say, there might become a point when it's actually not feasible to do anything other than that again. It it feels a bit premature to talk about it. And I do wonder whether, because America's in a very different place right now, like to, to Canada. And, it, and it's fascinating, you know, as much as this kind of thing can be fascinating, but the, res- the COVID response and the way that it kind of spreads around the world is very interesting because you can tell by when you're listening to Canadian podcasts at the moment, how it's very... Um, you know, it's a, it's a very scary time in Canada and because they're going through some of these kind of outbreaks and, and uh, they're talking a lot about variants and things like that. The kind of stuff up here in the UK, we were talking about back in January. Um, they, they seem to be going through that now. In the States, however, you, you know, yesterday or the other day, you had a baseball game in Texas go ahead against, ironically, the Toronto Blue Jays, um, who aren't even allowed to play in their own country, by the way. Uh, Texas had a full capacity stadium of 50,000 fans. The first full capacity stadium event to go ahead in the States for, for however long. So, you know, the majority of teams are American in the NHL. And I think a lot of the American teams are, are feeling probably relatively bullish about it at the moment with the vaccine rates, you know, the very effective vaccine program in the States now. And and the, the, 
the kind of narrative coming out of America is a little bit like ours here is that, well, we're hoping that we're over the worst of it and the, the kind of the end is in sight. Um, whereas in Canada, it's not like that at all. So that uh, that's an interesting thing that I've kind of picked up from listening to Canadian podcasts. So I wonder whether this talk of bubble hockey and all that kind of stuff will die down a little bit if the kind of the COVID outbreak in, in Vancouver kind of is the last one that, that we see in the NHL. But I, I don't see how it's avoidable if if these things continue. I mean, can you imagine going into a Stanley Cup final and then it being called off because of COVID protocol? I mean, yeah. I mean, but also I think it's like you can kind of see how when you go to work, if you if you can work from home, you do. If you don't, yeah. then you go to work, right? Yeah. But it, every person who leaves their house to go to work then is mixing with other people and if it's not safe and you look at what's happening with vancouver canucks that is then coming back and they're infecting their families you know like at what point do you have to draw the draw the line and say right these guys are gonna hang out together but then we need to protect the families and the people back home like i just but i mean you're looking at what 18 18 players with canucks plus coaches plus family members i mean that's like that's where for me it just gets a bit silly and i think it like playing sport this is a privilege like this is this is not in some some people we've we've already argued i suppose this before for me it's not essential like yeah so therefore if you have to go and do something extraordinary to make it happen to make it safe then so be it but you can't have normal life and then mixing and going home and then going to the rink and continuing like it's normal it just doesn't seem right yeah, I, 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 I do agree with you, except that I think it's very di- yeah, it's difficult because part of me believes that, and what sports people do, you know, nobody, nobody has you know got as close to other human beings as some of those hockey players do on a night by night basis. I don't know about you, but I, I certainly haven't been. <laughs> I've been rubbing shoulders or, you know, hitting people into walls or anything like that, like hockey players do on a, on a regular basis. So by that, I guess that they are more at risk, should we say, because if one hockey player in a hockey game has COVID, the chances are the whole team has. Whereas they say, they say basketball is the most risky. Yeah. 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 Of course. And all of those kind of contact sports are going to add up the risk. Whereas, you know, me going into the office that I work in, I feel completely safe going into my office because i know that you know if somebody gets within two meters of me then the things that we wear on our belt start buzzing and all of this kind of stuff and so so that's where i kind of i struggle to kind of think like a a pro athlete into the environment that they're going in however it's it's also not just about that because there's a lot of people who are having to go into to work now and 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 it has slightly changed now more and more people are going back in i mean you look at america and there's a lot you know there's some states that have declared that this is now you know back to normal everyone this is you know this is yeah but then ontario where toronto is are going into their third lockdown this week yeah and they're going to the third lockdown and I, i just I think it's difficult because players will be protected as much as they possibly can. And they are in very privileged positions. And of course, the safety of them and their families are absolutely top priority. Um, However, there is a huge amount of resources available to look after them. And there's a lot of people who will never have anything like that, you know, uh, level of resource. So it's difficult for everyone and it is difficult right across the board. But I, I really think sports leagues are going to do everything they possibly can to keep this thing going. And I, I don't think anybody wants a league to, well, they just don't want it. They don't want the disruption to have that knock on effect again, because they want to try and bring things back. Cause they think that, you know, things are going to be normal again in the autumn. See Zach McEwen, who is a player for the Canucks, you know, um, his mom, put a tweet out and it said yeah. as a mom all you ever want is to protect your children and keep them safe when that is completely out of your control it paralyzes you um which is very powerful isn't it like you know when you but, kind of it, think- but it's not out of their control is it because all of those players had the 
could have the choice to to opt out. They all had the choice to opt out, and sure. you know, they could they could sit the year. And it's the same kind of, you know, it's the same kind of thing. Like anybody, like I I have the choice not to go to work, <laughs> but I can't because I've got to pay my mortgage, and I can't because you know I've got to put food on table and all that kind of stuff. And you know it it is really difficult because you want to do everything you can. And I, I understand your argument of sports is an essential. So why, you know, why should we bother with it? But it's a really difficult argument because a lot of people are, are being asked to go in and do their jobs and are having to do their jobs with far less protection and far less um, kind of, kind of financial clout behind them. Um, whereas, you know, elite athletes, get huge amounts of support and are probably in such covid safe environments compared to some others apart from when they're actually playing the game i do accept that argument um i don't know i i you know and it, it is horrible for all those individuals and you hope everybody in vancouver recovers well and you know that is the most important thing not not about when they return or if their season gets blown up doesn't really matter at the end of the day as long as those players get back and are healthy um but it, yeah, yeah, we're we're entering into a fascinating time of this whole pandemic. If we are getting towards the end of it, because it's it's all going to be about that. You know, how do we how do we come out of it? What's what's the other side going to look like? For me, with, with the sport thing though, and the playoffs, it mm. it's kind of like how do you make it fair? Because you don't want playoffs are like such a grind. Like you don't yeah. want one team missing loads of games and then suddenly having to like have loads and loads of back-to-backs because seven games in a round is exhausting and then the other team though they've been chilling and they've rested and you know they're they're recouping themselves um getting loads of physio and stuff so for me like the the playoffs is a fine line balance between what's fair and and it needs to be Mm. controlled environment to make that fairness go through um, it's also such a long period of time, isn't it? Like, yeah. so like in most sporting environments where we'd think like, well, just the week before you'd, you'd, you know, keep everyone safe and uh, it's madness, but it's like three months, isn't it? Playoff hockey or something. something like yeah. That. So it's going um, to be really difficult. And there's, you know, there's a kind of a, <laughs> a feeling that anything other than absolute proper bubble um, environment that they had last summer is worthless like if you just have players all having to stay in the same hotel but i mean they're already having to take a lot of precautions and so ramping those up anywhere between where they are now and that full-on bubble hockey is probably not much worth there's probably not really much you know although one thing i will say i don't know about you but something that has driven me mad over the last couple of weeks is coaches and their masks Oh my day! Falling down. If you've seen, mm. no, not falling down. Them taking them off to shout, like it is the most frustrating thing to watch, right? Because you're wearing these masks and everyone's wearing these masks and it's all good. And then, then the referee comes over and like I've seen them all do it. Shell and Keith did it the other night. He grabs his mask down to then yell over his players at the official. And I'm I'm sitting there on my couch thinking. I know it's a passionate moment and you're getting into this. And I like all of that stuff, but for God's sake, the reason why you're wearing that mask is the, well, the moment you need it most is when you're taking it off. (laughs) It's so frustrating. DJ Smith. Did you see the video of him the other day that did the rounds? No. The um, Ottawa Senators coach. Ah, I mean, disgusting in the best of times, right? He gets, gets his mask to, takes his mask off, spits his chewing gum out, and then throws it into the stand. Like, you don't do that any time, right? Let alone during a global pandemic when they're talking about, oh, should we remove the glass from behind the benches to improve ventilation? Well, it doesn't matter about improving ventilation if you're going to take your mask off and shout over your players, does it? Oh, man, it's it's become huge. So much so, right? I, I would love to see the NHL bring in bench miners for it. If I was a referee and I had the NHL's blessing, I would absolutely love to give a team a two-minute penalty for a mask violation. I'd love it. That would be my favourite Illegal... thing they could bring in. What, what do they call it? Illegal qu- equipment? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, a mask violation. 
that would be my one rule change right now. And I don't make, I don't even care if Sheldon Keith gets them. Like, I, it drives me nuts. Anyway, sorry. Wow, that <laughs> got heated. Clearly, all the best, Vancouver. <laughs> it does sound horrible. It sounds absolutely horrible. And yeah, I think, I think a lot of the hysteria, though, are not hysteria. It's, it's perfectly warranted. But a lot of the talk, uh, the heightened talk, is because you know this is the first time that Canada's really experiencing this in terms of the National Hockey League and you know a lot of teams in the states have already been through this but yeah it's interesting times it's going to be fascinating for their season as well because you know away from the far more important personal kind of um health and well-being of those players which trumps it all but um it is going to be interesting to see whether they're going to be able to come back and complete a season and and then the kind of impact of that ripple through to all of the other teams mm. the so the other thing and um I don't know whether we kind of caught this in time um, or, or it's kind of moved on really, but the, the ref situation. Yeah, yeah. So Tim, Tim Peel, I've got his yeah. name, Tim. Yeah. I thought this was really interesting because mm. at, the, at the heat of the moment, you know, you're like, what the hell? But it's what it kind of sparks afterwards. And so a ref was caught on camera in case you don't know, uh, not on camera, camera on microphone. Mic- yeah. Um, basically kind of saying oh uh, he needed to kind of even the scores out really and and give a penalty to nashville i want to say yeah basically his his refereeing colleague went what what was that to the other referee and he said oh yeah no it wasn't much of one but i needed to give one to nashville or whoever it was to to even it out he basically said like he said yeah i realized there was nothing there but i needed to give them a penalty and this is a ref who's like just about to come up to like retirements. They were going yeah, to have like a big ceremony to kind of, well, you know, wish him well. And then boom, you know, now he's not going to be refing for the NHL um, for the foreseeable or though, ever again, possibly. No, importantly, he wasn't fired. So he wasn't fired. They, they said, you're not refereeing in the NHL again. So basically for the rest of this season, your final season, you will not ref another game. Mm. And a lot of people around the game I've heard have said that is the worst punishment known to known to somebody in a, in a league who's been around that long, because it's 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 meaning that they don't get their big kind of farewell and they'll always be remembered as the referee who did this. Um, so the reputational damage is huge, but actually, you know, financially and all of that kind of stuff, he faced no kind of um, sanctions i think what what was interesting as this kind of evolved was the issues that this kind of touched upon some people were like that's outrageous and other people were like come on we know this happens these are not robots they're not machines um and actually like if you're gonna get them to call everything on the ice, then you are going to get one team in between the second and third period say, hey, you've given us 10 penalties, you've only given them three, you need to even it out. So this stuff obviously goes on, on the ice and off the ice more than we think about. We, we can't not you know, accept that. And I think to have good quality referees in any league is very, very difficult. NHL, obviously, you would expect top flight hockey to be brilliant, but I know in other leagues, yeah. mm, some of the refereeing, bit questionable, if I'm honest. Yeah. And we've even got people who are very outspoken about how questionable it is in the NHL. But more interesting for me was, I think the reason the NHL said, nah, you're not refing anymore, was more of about a brand protection because I think a lot of people would think, look at the way the NHL is moving now. We're gambling, you know, starting to form yeah. these very lucrative partnerships, sponsorship deals with gambling firms. The analytics are improving. So they probably had to stamp out before it kind of people put two and two and added 25 million that was there some kind of like corruption where it was a setup for money they just have to protect their brand before anything kind of jumps out about that yeah. I think so anyway I know and I think I think you're right and I think the um <laughs> the interesting thing with gambling is of course that you're then meaning that you're by managing the game you become the kind of person who is deciding on um, events that have money riding on it and it, it will make 
you know if you could if you could ever get kind of a bet on you know the different the differential between penalties between two sides i mean i'd be betting on <laughs> one or below every single game now <laughs> just because that's how it's done so so yeah i i think you're spot on and i think the league knows and it's probably why he wasn't kind of um punished in any way individually other than kind of reputational wise and and kind of brushing him under the carpet for the rest of the season the league knows that this is the case and they've obviously been okay with it and they've obviously sanctioned the kind of refs managing the game because otherwise they would have tried to stamp it out themselves or get rid of it themselves and you know all you have to look at and loads of people were doing it around the time that it was kind of a big news story but people were just going through the kind of the penalties and they were always kind of 5-4-4-4-3-2-6-5 there was one game one night where it was like 5-1 and everyone was like well that's a that's an outlier so they're obviously are doing it but it has <laughs> and I think this will wear off but it has slightly come into my when I kind of like chunter away to myself like about a game or a refereeing decision I'm like well looking forward to our makeup call for that missed one or you know whatever or and it does bring in a certain level of kind of mm, I, I'm actually really conflicted about it because at the same time, I don't want to see every penalty called because nobody wants that. Not just because the Leafs power play is garbage right now. So can you imagine if we had that many power plays, it would be awful. However, it, it does kind of, it do, it would ruin the flow of the game. And there are moments in the game where uh, it's such a shame. Like funnily enough, the Leafs played Calgary um, last night and the Leafs were up 5-3, I think, with about four or five minutes to go. And they, um, quite rightly, got a, a double minor. Calgary took a double minor penalty for what well, Mangiapane basically whacked Zach Hyman in the nose with his stick and made it bleed. So, I mean, you know, th- there was not much in the way of arguments. Um, but that was a four-minute penalty in the last five minutes. And it killed the game. Absolutely killed the game. Because suddenly then, Calgary have got to score two goals with the Leafs a man up. Like they can't pull the goaltender. The Leafs aren't bothered about scoring. Like they're just passing the puck around and it absolutely kills the game. Now there's nothing the referee can do other than give a double minor to Mangiapane for that because the guy has literally clubbed him over the head with a stick. Like you can't not call that. However, if you are a referee and you see something that is questionable or you see something that is Mm, I could give that or I couldn't give that. Then do we really want a, a game of hockey that then suddenly does get called by the book? I just don't know. I, I worry so much. I heard so many people around the Tim Peel thing saying, call the game by the book. Their rules, their laws of the game for a reason. Call it by the book. And I've all I could think about was flipping it back to this country and how so many people in football called for video technology to be involved in the game and refereeing decisions, refereeing decisions going wrong was ruining the game and how now it's just completely flipped over and they've brought in video technology and it has been far more controversial. And, and so many more people have said that it's boring. That has just ruined the game. It's ruined it. Yeah, exactly. Because you can't, mm. you can no longer cheer for a goal until you see the replay because you've got to check for a minutiae offside mm. like no like, sport is supposed to be fun like what we were talking about earlier sport's not essential sports are like a laugh and fun and refereeing decisions are all part of that so actually i i did a full 360 on my on my opinion on on tim peel it would have been quite interesting because if we'd have done a podcast the week after that had happened i'd have probably been like yeah call the book call the book um but the longer i thought about it and the more i thought about how technology and that kind of striving for this black and white game where everything is called or not called, actually that hasn't worked out where it's been brought in. And so, uh, and I know which I prefer watching out of football and ice hockey at the moment. And yeah, I don't know. I don't know. He's just like- unlucky. Tim, Peel, Tim Peel's unlucky. He got caught. That, uh, at the end of the day, the yeah. whole story is the guy got caught on a hot mic. And I mean, you pray for the sound technician who made that mistake because as mm. somebody who used to be a sound technician that was my first thought <laughs> thinking that was the wrong fader like and that's horrific because he will feel terrible if if you know he's still employed or not, i don't know but um yeah I, I, we all know it's happened he was the one that got caught it's a real shame for him um 
but I think just a little bit of care. I don't know. Hey, we both work in the world where there are microphones and I learned very, very early on when there is a microphone in the room, do not say anything that you would not want to go out. And we whether, both whether know, it's pressing record or not. And we both know that we say that and yet we then don't do it. <laughs> we both know <laughs> that that happens all the time. Things get said. I am so with you because I totally would sign up to that rule and I will say that rule to people. And then I know that I have said things in a room where there's been a microphone that if it was on and heard by other people, I could have got into trouble for it. We've all done it because it's we we forget as human beings, we forget and we talk in those kind of private environments. And the difference between a conversation you and me have taken out of context because half it was recorded, you know, would be awful. But it, it, I don't know. I, it I feel so sorry. It would be really boring yeah, be is really what boring. most people would think about yeah, our conversations. Absolutely. Oh, yeah. Did you see John Tavares? No haircuts. Oh, Austin Matthews' okay, yeah. moustache looks lovely, doesn't it? <laughs> That's it basically it'd be most the yeah. most boring conversation. Even all the times we talk about Leafs, like yeah. yeah anyway, yeah, we actually just talk about it. in the five minutes before we start this podcast, we just talk about our home lives. That's all we do. Like it's like a little catch up of the week. What's going on with you? Yeah, I put up a picture frame this week. Oh, very good. Did you? I yeah, went to I three not... supermarkets yeah. Yeah. in one day. The top... I hoovered the top floor of my house. Oh, well, I can only dream of doing that one day. <laughs> Well, look, talking talking about exciting hockey, I have really enjoyed watching some of the games like for Toronto Maple Leafs this week. Um, And I'm actually really looking forward to watching them a bit more in the next week. Like I want to watch an Avalanches game. I want to watch a Florida game. That's on my list. Um, Toronto, like, I mean, there was a game against Ottawa the other day where it went to extra time. There was a penalty and I, and I was like, oh, God, I've totally forgotten what happens when it's three on three in overtime and you get a penalty. What happens? Of course, you oh, yeah. get the extra attacker. Um, so, it, you know, it's just it's remembering all those things because there was it felt like such a long time that for us as Leafs fans, we didn't really get to kind of watch the game and it's like there are still moments where I'm like oh yeah that's what happens then that's how that works um I've just I've just really enjoyed it I mean Jack Campbell actually saved a goal with his groin um in last night's game I mean this guy was basically lay down like a starfish on the ice with his legs open and there was a puck flying between his legs and he didn't flinch and he stayed there and continued to try and save the goal I mean what more do you want from your backup goalie or the goalie let's face it right now I mean what a legend he saved it with his penis (laughs) uh yeah that is one way of putting putting it yeah um oh wow you've really thrown me off my Jack Campbell uh, thing I was going to mention then well, um, I got his name right. I keep calling him John Campbell. Yeah, John oh, Campbell. Yeah, God. I don't know why that. Um, Jack Campbell is an incredible story. Um, that save aside, um, he uh, there's a there's a brilliant article. If you're a, a subscriber to the Athletic, I fully recommend it. Even if you're not a, a Leafs fan, but um, James Myrtle wrote a great article about Jack Campbell and his career, and because he was a he was an eleventh overall pick in the first round. Um, and Dallas Stars picked him um, way back when. And he was, you know, there's a huge amount of kind of hype about this kid at the time and um, huge amount of pressure. And he'd absolutely smashed it at kind of every level that he played at. And um, and then really struggled to transition into playing in the NHL. And, it, you know, the article goes on in far greater detail than I will. But, you know, he he kind of goes through some of his uh, his struggles when he gets that first kind of knockback and that first dent to his confidence and how self-critical he was and how it pretty much at one point nearly drove him away from hockey entirely. And um, his his rejuvenation at the Leafs and the way that he is playing is just incredible. Not only his on-ice performance, but just the whole vibe around him. Like, and I can't think of a better word than vibe. Like, he just has this unbelievable kind of positive energy that everybody keeps talking about. You see it every game with his kind of tapping his defenders on the uh, on the kind of pads every time that he makes a save, like, or every time that they do something. And 
there always seems to me, I don't know about you, Claire, but when I watch hockey, that the skaters and the goalies always seem quite separate, even on the same team. Like you can really tell that the goaltenders are in their own little world a lot of the time. And that's obviously how they do it. Like Freddie's a great example of that. Like you watch him and gives nothing away, like gives absolutely nothing away. And you can see that the, the, the skaters kind of respect that in goaltenders because they very rarely ever interact. And, you know, it's very rare to see a goaltender do much other than sometimes when they skate over during TV timeouts, but they usually then talk to the backup. Like, yeah. And there's a kind of a, a I don't know, there's a like a little goaltending union that <laughs> happens. Jack Campbell though, it's just, it's completely different. I mean, you've got pictures of him the other day, like winking at Justin Hole, like <laughs> all this kind of, crazy stuff the guy he i don't know he comes across a bit of like almost like a competition winner <laughs> like but he just loves being there the thing that i think that we miss out on as mm. fans from afar is quite often we don't get to watch the warm up the anthem the in between period analysis yeah. right but even more so when you're not at a game, you mm. don't get to see the little quirks of how the warm-up works, right? And that's yeah. where you truly get to see how a goalie is because mm. quite a lot of goalies will run the warm-up. Like, they, it needs to be a certain way. Like, it, yeah. they, can, they can get loads of – they love loads of um, shots at them or they don't or they like it in a certain order, in a certain way. Um yeah. And I think those little things are what you kind of miss out on. And then, you know, with the TV timeouts, we're not getting to see those interactions that might be happening. You know what I mean? Like, yep. actually, there might be more conversations with goalies between the players that we don't get to see. But when they're on ice and the game's on, they're in their zone. Do you know what I mean? So I yeah. think in the arena, you get a different experience on this. But even when I've been in the arena, like, and I, you know, I'm fortunate enough to have, uh, have been to a, you know, a few Toronto games and, and other hockey games, that there really does seem to be a, a separation with a lot of goaltenders. Now, not all of them. There are some who aren't. Um, and, it, you know, it's even down to the fact that, you know, like if, if a player comes in and bumps a goaltender, well, what happens? Well, one of the skaters goes and grabs that player and then punches him or grabs him away from the goaltender and then kind of a skirmish happens away from the goaltender. It's one of the reasons why goaltending fights are this crazy moment of, oh, my God, like what's happening? Like because they do separate themselves so much. And, you know, I think with Jack Campbell, he's one of those players that is just so involved and feeds off that positive energy and gives off that positive energy. You look at the celebrations. It's one of the things that I can't help but notice so much. And thankfully, I've been seeing it a lot recently because the Leafs have been winning a lot. And every time Jack Campbell's in net, he wins. But the celebrations at the end of the game, usually there's that real kind of like um, formulaic sometimes almost line at the end of the game where the winning team will go along and kind of fist bump the goaltender and they all kind of do it. And all the outfield player, all the skaters will line up and it'll all go through fist bump, maybe a bit of a hug, but usually fist bump and then go off to the dressing room. Whereas every single game that Jack Campbell seems to win, there seems to be like this mob, like at the end of the game who were just coming over and like grabbing him. And you've got players like grabbing by their helmet, like telling him stuff. And it, it just feels a different atmosphere. And I, I you know, he, it, that's obviously what makes him tick and that's great. And I'm not criticizing goaltenders who want it the other way. That's absolutely fine. But as a fan, it's just really refreshing to see something different in that environment. And you've kind of got to doff your cap to Jack Campbell while we're talking about him. Cause last night against the Calgary flames, he equaled the Leafs record for the longest ever win streak for a goaltender. <laughs> like, the Toronto Maple Leafs franchise record is Felix Potvan with nine. And now Jack Campbell is level with him. I mean, you know, there are, there are franchise records with the Vegas Golden Knights and there are franchise records like the Toronto Maple Leafs that go over a hundred years. True. And yeah. I mean, good God, that is impressive what he has done and he has not done it the easy way. He's had hard games. He's had tough games this year. And I just hope, and, and he's been battling an injury most of this year. <laughs> and just to finish it off, Chris Johnston, one of the Sportsnet reporters, said the last time that Jack Campbell lost a game in the NHL was before we knew anything about COVID-19. 
that gives you an idea of just how long ago <laughs> that his last loss was. It's unbelievable. I think it's also it, it's um the goalie the the backup goalie position is always an interesting one. You know, we've yeah. talked before, haven't we, about almost like the disparity, like the gap is growing bigger between number one and number two and we always wonder why do they not get paid more? Why are there not more goalie tandems? Is that the way we're going to go? But it almost feels like the second seat in um, Toronto Maple Leafs has been like cursed for so many years. I almost yeah. liken it like I, I love watching Formula One as well. And so the season began last week. Mm. And um, the second seat in the Red Bull team um, is always cursed at the moment as well. And I was kind of like, wow, these guys should be friends or something. Like, <laughs> it just, it's a bit of a club, isn't there? Like, how to break the curse. And it does slightly feel like in this situation with Jack Campbell, that's great. And when we look at some of the other, sec- like, the second goalies, um, Dallas Stars, um, backup goalie, um, Kudobin, uh, mm. Robin Lenner, um, for get uh, Vegas oh, Golden Flurry. Line. I mean, technically, Flurry was the backup goaltender going into this season, and now look at him. Incredible Jordan Binnington season. was a backup goalie, yeah. wasn't he? Um, for St. Louis Blues. So it's, it's, I think it's really interesting. And as you say, like the, the role that these guys and Anton Fursberg, who we mentioned before, backup goalie, backup mm. goalie, move, 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 move. It's almost like kind of that second seat is so fascinating of what happens. So as we, uh, we should probably mention like the trade deadline and all that kind of stuff, because that's, that's going to come up on, on Monday and we, we probably shouldn't give it too much chat because it'll we'll go very next out week, of yeah. date. Yeah, it's all going to go very out of date. However, as a Leafs fan, I'm quite interested, Claire, to, to understand where you are with this. What would you want Kyle Dubas to do right now? Is there anything that you think that the Leafs need to do? Bear in mind, top of the North Division on a very good run. Got a garbage power play, but hopefully that will come good. It's it's really difficult, isn't it? Because you always think there's always room for improvement. But in a weird way, and this is not a podcast about the Toronto Maple Leafs, but it kind of feels like for many years we've been disgruntled. There's always been something. We're not tough enough. Our defence isn't great. Our goal goaltending isn't consistent. And it feels we like got we've got, <laughs> yeah, yeah. We've got all the different parts now. And I don't know if it's the maturity. I don't know if it, like we've heard about the different personalities, the veterans, um, some of the lines are coming together. We, we've kind of come through where people like Austin, Matthews, Mitch Marner, they're starting to mature into the game now. They're kind of, they're like um, a good set of plums that have been on your kitchen window for over a week. They're starting to ripen, you know, they're ripening at home. And um, and I wow. think that's all a really good, like... So you've uh, talked about Jack Campbell's and what was it, plums? What was that? <laughs> <laughs> it's like a, we've got a great ripe fruit bowl all right okay we've got to st- <laughs> a brilliant plum pie we- <laughs> <laughs> so this is when i get my like crap local radio dj voice and say which leaf is which fruit <laughs> <laughs> but look, what i'm saying is that i think that i don't know if we do need anyone i'm not gonna cry if we don't do a trade i think that there are other teams right now who need to kind of do like you know like the big what was it mark stone of vegas those kind of big moves either go hard or go home and i don't think that say for our team for leafs they are one of those so in in one sense for me the next week is just keeping one eye open to see for these teams who are absolutely like kind of on those like maybe they're like about five or six points out of the fourth place playoff run those yep. are the teams where i'm like what what are you gonna do about it mate okay so I, I agree with you in terms of, I think they're pretty good. It's a pretty good looking fruit bowl right now. Like the fruit salad's well balanced and uh, yeah, it's a pretty good meal. However, what I'll say, is there anything more disappointing than opening a fruit salad that is, you know, uh, advertised as having melon in it and then there is no melon in it. Like that is disappointing when you, you think that's what's going to be there 
when you buy the fruit salad, but then when you come to the eat the fruit salad, the melon's not there. And we currently, as the Toronto Maple Leafs organization, have two injured goaltenders. We have one who can't play, and we have one who can just about play. <laughs> right? And I don't want to get to the playoffs and not have any melons, i.e. goaltenders, in place. And I do not want to see Michael Hutchinson playing, who is a right melon. No, I'm joking. I'm going to stop with the fruit analogy now. But I think Kyle Dubas has done an incredible job. When you think back to the trades that this guy has brought in, the likes of Jack Campbell, what a, what a player to bring in in a trade. Alex Galchenyuk, he basically picked him up for nothing. And the guy is now answering all our top six forwards needs. And not only that, he's bringing the best out of Nylander and Tavares. Like this is, this is the player that we really wanted at the trade deadline. Carl Dubas just went out sneakily and just got him in early. Fantastic. But I do not want to be like Colorado <laughs> last year and putting out Michael Hutchinson. No offense to you, Michael. You've actually done pretty well for us this year, but I do not want to see him in the goal crease for the Maple Leafs this year. I do not understand how, as Kyle Dubas, you do not go out and get some kind of goaltending depth this year. Because why wouldn't you? Because if if Campbell and Anderson are both out in the playoffs for a game, is anybody surprised right now? Does he have any kind of argument of, well, you know, you know, we can't we can't mitigate for everything. This is a known thing. Now, GMs know way more than fans do about their teams and all of that kind of stuff. And most of the time, I will quite happily sit back and say, you know better. I may shout and scream and disagree, but you know better. And Carl Dubas is known better for many, many, many more years than I have. However, please sign a goaltender. <laughs> like, I do not want to be Colorado next year. I don't think they'll be the only one. I think this trade deadline could be an interesting one. We know the goalie market is pretty hot. So will we yeah. see a few swaps? Will Anton Forsberg make a fifth team? I don't want Anton Forsberg, whatever his name is. I don't, uh, that's not the level I'm looking at. I'm looking at your all marks. I want I want your all marks from, from Buffalo. I want your Corpusello or your Merslickens in, in Columbus. Like, come on, give me some good names. I want to. I want this team. This Leafs team needs to be stacked going into the playoffs. Wow. Anyway, well, one, next um, week we will be talking about. Yeah, the and I'll be saying, ever. I can't believe Hutchison's going to lead us into the playoffs. Oh my god. Um, one interesting thing though at the moment is uh, uh, Taylor Hall, the guy who we have to talk about at every single trade deadline or or, or summer. Um, he's being um, healthy scratched from the Buffalo Sabers. Um, so that would suggest that a trade is on the cards or at least they are certainly kind of getting closer to that. Um, Kyle Palm Palmieri as well, New Jersey Devils over the weekend was healthy scratch too. Um, so we're just dying to see the kind of players who, and it doesn't mean they will necessarily go. It just means that they don't want them to get injured and, and they're protecting their assets. Um, but we're now getting to that point where we are starting to see and with the quarantine and all that kind of stuff, even though that has now gone down to seven days, between the States and Canada, you would imagine those Canadian teams are going to be um, keen to get something done this week as opposed to going into the weekend and trade deadline day itself because there is still seven days quarantine. I love it. Well, look, we need to um, we need to wrap up because, frankly, I can smell my tea. It smells oh, really yeah. great. Oh, well, there, we first of all need to say congratulations. Two, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, we need to mention that. Go on. Go two, on. Two, two things that we need to mention, isn't there? Yeah, Eric Stoll st scoring for uh, Montreal on his debut. Yeah, <laughs> that was <weird. laughs> Well, I mean, yeah, your, your news is more fun, I've got to say, right? We put a tweet out it's today. Not, well, well, it might be more <laughs> jovial. Yeah. Okay. Jovial. All right. Okay. Mine is more yeah. life changing, I suppose. Yeah. So she's going to be a Habs fan. <laughs> <laughs> I'm changing teams. I'm going to be a fan of the West. Um, <laughs> the LA Kings are pleased to acquire don't Claire. That sounds like a weird dream, you know, where you're in, you're at a game yeah, and then yeah, you yeah, look yeah. down and you're actually wearing an Anaheim <laughs> Ducks jersey and you're like, what's the point? Who wants to be a Ducks fan right now? Hey, to be fair, that's what most of the Anaheim Ducks are saying at the moment. Yeah. <laughs> right. So we put a tweet Sorry, out yeah. earlier, yeah. which was basically saying, have you ever named a child or pet after an ice hockey player? <laughs> um, actually, 
Uh, Andy replied and said that he had. He has two cats and uh, they are called Sydney and Gino. Obviously, he is a Pittsburgh Penguins fan. Uh, but would you like to explain why you were looking into this, Jolon? <laughs> Yes, so um, so yeah, I'm pleased to say we have we have been uh, doing some um, some trading ourselves, and we've uh, traded a, a carefree, stress free life for one with a dog in now. Um, so yeah, we're very happy with this acquisition. <laughs> it's uh, due to arrive in four weeks, um, and of course, what I've been angling for uh, is that the dog is named pretty much anything after any maple leaf going. Um, I've had to be a bit creative because I'm well aware that my uh, my lovely partner is is all too aware of the likes of Mitch Marner, Austin Matthews, John Tavares, uh, you name them. Those big names are common names to be mentioned in this household, unfortunately for her. Um, so I had to be a little bit more clever and I had to try and sneak in some under the radar. Your Zachs. Your, um, who was the other one I tried to do the other day? Uh, I mean, I... I, my dream is calling it Nylander. Like I want, I want the dog to be called oh, Nylander. I, surely Mitch is such a great dog name. Yeah, yeah, Mitch is good. Mitch is good, but I, I, I want Nylander. Like because I want the dog to have the attitude of William Nylander. I want him to be dead chilled, relaxed, but incredibly skillful and intelligent. Like that's yeah, the vibe you, I want the dog to be. You're gonna end up sounding really high pitched when you're running around the park saying Nylander, Nylander. You need like a firm Mitch. Sit, kind of like strong yeah. name, right? You don't want don't to be mean... calling your dog John or Dave, do you? Right? Sorry if you. No offense to, to all those Johns and Daves out there. Um, but yeah, so we were trying to we were trying to come up with them, and the big one for me, obviously, uh, and it's very current, would be Campbell. Like obviously, because you know Jack's the love of my life these days. Um, but yeah, I, I've I mean deep discussions but if you do fancy pitching me any names that would be good preferably maple leafs but i will accept other nhl greats um i, I did think about gretzky i thought that would be quite good calling it gretzky um just for the confused look on the people of <laughs> on the south wales beaches that i'm walking on some guy shouting gretzky um but yeah yeah i'm open to all suggestions at nhl fans from afar on twitter yeah let me know so... you've got four weeks to to help me name it I did look. I did Google like great mm. uh, ice hockey names that make pet names. They were mm. really rubbish, if yeah. I'm honest. Um, yeah. So yeah. Uh, now, now, not to say more importantly than uh, the naming of my future dog, but um, it is worth saying. One of the reasons why uh, Claire wasn't here was uh, not only does she work very hard and works literally every hour that uh, God gives her, um, she somehow managed to find time to uh, to get married. Yeah, man. So to be fair, to be fair, out of all of the excuses for having a couple of weeks off, I think getting married is probably up there with being insanely hungover from the Stanley Cup win that the Toronto Maple Leafs are going to bring or whatever it is that you choose to celebrate with. But um, but congratulations from all the kind of NHL fans from afar crew. Imagine they were all here, (laughs) all the virtual fans. Um, But yeah, congratulations. Thanks. You I mean, did I, it in I a guess I can way. only use this excuse once. Well, no, you can get married as many times as you want, but I might start asking for well, receipts you have after to, two and three. You have to get divorced in between. Can <laughs> yeah, we just exactly. Yeah. That, right? yeah, 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 yeah. Well, let's, yeah, let's not try. Let's not bring that up now. You know, you're only one week married. <laughs> it sounds domestic bliss from what I heard earlier off off mic. You know, you're talking about eating together still. You know, your poor husband is actually now still not eaten at 10 to 10 as we're uh, recording this. So he's waiting to to make your stir fry for you. So I'm not going to keep you any longer, but congratulations. Thanks, man. Um, yeah, it's very good news. It very was news. a bonkers time. And the best part about it was yes. that all the colours that I wore, obviously I did the white dress, but Stand. everything else You were was... away from home at the time, weren't you? So yeah. it's all right to wear white. Blue and white was the theme. I had Toronto Maple Leaf socks. I even had a little Toronto Maple Leafs cheerleading bear. My flowers were blue and white. The florist who made my dried flowers even Googled and watched part of a game of Toronto Maple Leafs to make sure she got the blue just right. I mean, come on. That's That's what dreams are made out of. Next, now the best honeymoon present will be 
that the Leafs make it past round one of the playoffs. Let's not go too crazy, wow. right? Is that all you're going for? <laughs> not going too crazy. In the meantime... I'm getting married next year and I want my honeymoon present from the Leafs to be that the Leafs become a juggernaut and a dynasty in the league. I want them to win like three Stanley Cups in a row. You just want them to win a round. And that's how me and Joel are so different, but yeah. I am a pessimist and a realist yeah. and he is an absolute ludicrous dreamer. But somehow, anyway, somehow, I'm going to have my tea. Yeah. I'm going to watch some Florida and uh, some Colorado games this week. Jolon's going to name his dog and the trade yeah. deadline is going to wrap up. So that's what we'll be kicking off next week. Share your thoughts at any Come on, Austin. Come on, Austin. Sit, Austin. <laughs> Sit. Or you can email us, nhlfansfromafar at gmail.com. Have a great week. Enjoy the hockey. To right. A bit.